Live from the Mecca of Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where Mormonism meets Biblical Christianity face-to-face, and I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Whether you're watching on the National NRB Network, that's channel 378 on DirecTV, or listening on AMKUTR 820, The Truth, we welcome you. And if you have family or friends who can't watch Heart of the Matter on television, one of those means, or listen to it, have them go to www.hotm.tv and they can watch it through streaming video anywhere in the world. We say hello to all of our streaming video watchers throughout the world. Uh, This is the book that started all, Born Again Mormon. We just got the whole new shipment of the third printing in, so they are available now. Order at www.bornagainmormon.com or where most uh, reputable Christian books are sold, including here in Utah, Lifeway Books, Utah Lighthouse Ministry and Christian Gift and Bible and Calvary Chapel of Salt Lake City. Every Sunday afternoon, there's a radio station here in Utah that plays replays of Heart of the Matter, AM820, KUTR, The Truth. Uh, That's every Sunday from 1 to 2 p.m. Well, if you're like me, you listen to most of your radio while in the car. So why not start your engine and about around 1 o'clock start driving and make your way down to um, Alpine Church in Riverdale or the University of Utah in Salt Lake City by 2.30 where we hold a never-denominational Bible study every week. Uh, Most people would like to learn the Bible. Most people want to know what it is talking about. And uh, we hold these studies in some of the most comfortable environments. There's lots of seating, air conditioning, tables with um, lots of room and good lighting and nice people. And often there's food. And it's just for an hour. Want to know more? Go to www.calvarycampus.com for more information. Okay, summer is upon us. And we have some important events coming up. We do this every summer and go through this first In less than two weeks, on Saturday, July 10th, from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we're holding an Aletheia Ministries volunteer meeting at the Holiday Inn Express, located off the I-15 and 4500 South. All who wish to get involved with Aletheia Ministries in one way or another are invited. Uh, By the way, it's a total casual thing. You can come and just see what it's about. You don't have to do anything. We won't twist your arm. Saturday, July 10th, from 10 to 2 p.m., Holiday Inn Express, off the I-15 and 4500 South. For instance, I've been talking with a, a, a kind of a big shot in radio, and he is uh, trying to get Heart of the Matter live call-in shows on Saturday's 12 Nudes syndicated on radio throughout the United States. 
This is another avenue that we're looking at right now. So we're looking at volunteers to help us understand how to do that, etc. Lunch will be served. If you're inclined of the Lord, please join us. Then on Saturday, September 4th, uh, remember that's Burning Heart. We'll give you more information about that, but Saturday, September 4th. And then finally, we're calling 2011 a year in guests. Every week, we're going here on Heart of the Matter, we're going to schedule special guests to appear and present their position or their defense or their debate on the Mormon Christian uh, uh, battle. Uh, please contact us if you'd like to be considered as a guest or if you know somebody who would make a great guest. We've already uh, been getting some great responses. Write Sean at Aletheia Media or snail mail at 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah. 84117. Before we turn to our topic on God, the Trinity, I want to say something about the word authenticity. In the 1971 book, literary critic Lionel Trilling wrote uh, a book called Sincerity and Authenticity. In it, he explains the term authenticity got its popularity from the world of art history and museum studies. People who live and breathe in the art world and who make their living off actuality rather than fantasy are devoted, they're even consumed with the need for authentic or genuine representations. Philosopher, author Andrew Potter commented on the subject of authenticity saying, quote, to ask whether a work of art is authentic is just to ask whether it is what it appears to be. In, a, the temp, in the uh, temporary, often shallow, and nonetheless creative world of art, amazing amounts of time and dedication, research, and historical investigation is given to verifying whether a piece of art is what it appears to be. And if a work is discovered through this vetting process to be a fraud, it is deemed without value or merit and is often destroyed. To me, especially in light of what I have been blessed to do in this ministry, I find the existence of art authentication absolutely fascinating. First, it's telling how much authenticity means to a person or a group by the amount of time and trouble they are extending in the discovery of whether some, what they are dealing with is real or not. Uh, just imagine a museum curator being presented with a painting that they call Starry Night and hearing a testimony that this painting was truly done by Vincent Van Gogh. And this curator, based on his feelings alone, reaches into the vault, pulls out $200 million and buys this only to find later it was a, just a counterfeit, a complete worthless fraud. No curator worth his or her salt would ever purchase a simple work of art this way. Instead, they call in inspectors, they run tests, they check the painting's history, they examine the canvas fibers, the colors, the paint, the framing, and the actual style and content of the painting compared to that of the master himself. They hire experts, real experts, not experts who are employed by the seller, who dive into the works and determine who authored it. The point is, these guys and girls want to know if it's a fraud. Just talking about a piece of art, they want to hear the bad news. They want to know if it's authentic. Now just imagine the character of an art collector or an art dealer who is indifferent to whether a work of art is authentic or not. 
What's the condition of their soul? What does their indifference to authenticity say about their feelings toward the real masters? What does their acceptance of a fraud or their refusal to investigate for, to investigate for fraud say about them and their honesty and their integrity and their appreciation for genuine works of art? The parallels to people who embrace, support, defend, and promote Mormonism are obvious. How dedicated are they really to God if they are unwilling to examine the facts of their religion in good faith? How, they, how can we respect people of faith if they are unwilling to uh, examine their relationship to God uh, through untested faith? What does it reveal about their character truly if, because of fear of discovering the truth about a fraud, they choose rather to blindly support it, follow it, even sell it to others as the real deal while never ever taking the time to investigate it to see if it is? Recently, I had a person in my family come up to me at an airport and I talked to them and they had left the Mormon church for a while, but they became reactivated and they spoke unabashedly with me about their activity in the church. Smilingly, they talked about attending the ward again and the temple and general conferences and being fully aware of what I do in my position uh, toward the doctrines and practices of the church. This experience was akin to my listening to someone drone on and on and on about the beauty of buying a fake Van Gogh at a swap mate. It was just appalling that they would, knowing what I believe and do, that they would sit there and I know they have not investigated anything and tell me how wonderful it is to be back in the church. Conscientious men and women will give their lives to testing and challenging the authenticity of paintings and car parts and signatures and precious gems and other artifacts, while millions and millions of others will cower from investigating a faith they bet their entire eternity, eternities upon. God help them. With that, let's have a prayer. Lord, we love you and need you. We pray that your spirit will be here with our audiences, wherever they may be. Help me to uh, articulate the things you want me to say. Help our callers to open their eyes, our viewers to open their hearts, and that you will help the, our staff to carry on the process of producing and directing this show. In Jesus' name, amen. We talked about God as a trinity for the past two weeks. We suggested a number of points on how we can better understand the one God of three persons. And tonight we're going to focus on this final point or method. And that is by looking at the nature of Jesus, we may better understand the one God of three persons. First, let's examine Jesus' origins or his self-described pre-existent state. In the book of Micah, Old Testament 5.2, it reads, speaking of the coming of the Messiah, but thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be a ruler in Israel, whose going forth have been from old, from everlasting. A ruler whose goings forth have been from everlasting is going to come forth and be a ruler of Israel. Speaking of God as a creator, Psalms 92 reads, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, 
even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. We're going to speak more in a minute about who is the creator who has been around, who formed the mountains and the earth, who is this God who was from everlasting to everlasting. How about the, the text from Handel's Messiah, that great text from Isaiah 9, 6. Speaking of Jesus, what does it say? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. What do you think, folks? The Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, unto us this child is born. Paul wrote in, Corinthian, in Colossians excuse me, 1.17, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and by, all, by him all things consist. Jesus said of himself in Revelation 1.8, listen to how he describes himself. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, thus saith the Lord. That Lord there means the Yahweh, the Jehovah, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. While in a body as a man, deep in prayer to the Father, Jesus said in John 17, 5, And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. My friends, this is God. Then Jesus makes the myth of a human preexistent perfectly ridiculous in John 8, 23, when he said to some of the Jews standing around him, look, you are from beneath, meaning you are from this world and this earth, but I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. He's the only one who had a pre-existent state. The only one, not us. Then in the same discussion, while speaking to the same Jews, Jesus made his pre-existence and his Godhead known when he said to the Jews who were claiming that they had Abraham as their father, verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And how did the Jews react when he said this to them? They took up stones and cast them at him. Next, let's look at what the Bible says the nature of Jesus is. Now, the Greek word in the New Testament, that's the Greek, for God is theos, okay? And this word theos is synonymous with the Hebrew word uh, Elohim, the YHVH or the YHWH, uh, uh, and Yahweh or uh, Jehovah. That theos is the same word for God. John, in that old tried and true passage that we all know in John 1, 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with Theos, and the Word was Theos. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. And like we said last week, a few verses down from there, John adds, And the Word who was God was made flesh. The Theos was made flesh. In the first chapter of Matthew, we read, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is a, a prophecy from the Old Testament, which being interpreted is God with us. God with us, not our elder brother with us, God. Not one God of many gods with us, God himself. 
In Colossians, it says, speaking of Jesus, for it pleased the Father that in him, in Jesus, should all fullness dwell. How does the fullness of God dwell in one being? How did the fullness dwell in Jesus? How does the fullness of a father who has a body of flesh and bone how is it possible for that fullness of him, because the body of flesh and bone is supposed to be glorious according to the LDS, how does the fullness of that father dwell in Jesus bodily? It's impossible. He can't because God is a spirit. We're going to talk about that. Paul writes in Titus 2, uh, 13, looking for that blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Greek does not tease those words, God and our Savior, apart. They are one and the same. They are not separate. God and our Savior. Peter says the very same thing. We're going to skip that scripture about God. So folks, there are all sorts of passages that speak of Jesus' pure and unadulterated divinity. But let me summarize this with one in 1 Timothy 3.16. It says, and without, great, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. Who? God, it says. The Bible tells us right here that great is this mystery of godliness. And that's why so much of us have difficulty understanding the Trinity. And much of what makes godliness such a mystery is the fact that there is one God and one God alone, but that he was, quote, manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, sent of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. All right, that's how others in the Bible describe Jesus. What did he say about himself? In John 12, 44, it says, Jesus cried and said, He that believe on me, believe not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that seeth me, seeth him that sent me. Why did Jesus say, if you see me, you have seen him that sent me? Because he was the incarnate image of God who we not only do not see, we cannot see with eyes of the flesh. Colossians 1.15 makes this very clear saying and speaking about Jesus, who is in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. In John 17.30, Jesus said plainly, I and my father are one. And what did Deuteronomy say? It said, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Jesus said, I and my father are one. And what did the Jews, how did they respond when Jesus said, I and my father are one? They took up stones again to kill him. And for making himself God, it was blasphemy. Is he God to you, Latter-day Saints, or have you, because you've been so malignantly brainwashed, lowered him to some idea that robs him of the absolute power omniscient, omnipotence of Godhood. In John 14, 5, two of his own disciples came to him with different requests. It says, Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. He says, if you had known me, you should have known my Father also, and from henceforth you know him and have seen him. This is Jesus. This is what he says to uh, Thomas right there. You should not only have known him, you have seen him. This is God in the flesh. And then Philip says unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it will suffice us. 
And Jesus said, how have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Is it, is it, can it be more clear to you? Okay, are you still calling Jesus something other than God himself? Are you still afraid to worship Jesus? Are you still afraid to use his name as the ultimate source of endearment? You think your minds are so wise that you can lower him from his place of being God. You want more? You want more? All right, let's see. Let's look at creation. Anybody will say, who creates? Who created? Who is the creator? We could all agree by turning to the first passage of the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Speaking of the people in Noah's time, it says, and the Lord, that's the Yahweh, his personal name said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping things and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. Remember from last week that the Lord, all capital L-O-R-D, in Hebrew is the Yahweh. It's the sacred, personal, non-vowel name of God Almighty, right? Then turn to the New Testament, speaking of Jesus in Colossians 1.15, what does it say? Listen, remember Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. What does it say in, in, in Colossians 1.15? It says, who in the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, Speaking of Jesus, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, invisible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. And again, speaking of Jesus himself, John says in John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. God created everything. Jesus created everything. Jesus is God. God is one. Jesus has a Father. God is three. What about his power? Jesus said after he was resurrected in Matthew, he said all power, that's all power. It's not shared power, it's all power is given to me in heaven and in earth. This is an attribute of om, uh, om, omnipotence and this is an attribute that only God can possess. We've been speaking of the Trinity of one absolute God of three absolute persons. I think we have manifestly shown the Bible teaches that Jesus is God. Well, what of the Father? How do we have a Father in heaven and at the same time God the Son inhabiting a body of flesh like we have? How are they one? I want you to remember a simple phrase Jesus uttered when speaking to a Samaritan woman at the well. He said, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. What was God in Jesus was his spirit, not his body. His body was all man. But what was all God was his spirit. The Holy Spirit is spirit. The Father is spirit. God is a spirit and we must worship him in spirit and in truth. Okay? Why didn't Jesus say God has a body and flesh and bones to this woman at the well? 
because he doesn't. His father is not visible to man. And his essence filled this clay body of Jesus who came to this earth for you and me to overcome and be righteous on the things that we could not. Jesus added in John 1:18, no man, listen, has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he has declared him. Speaking of the father in John 5, 37, Jesus said, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. Speaking of the father, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1:17, now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Speaking of the Father in 1 Timothy 6, 16, it says, who, has, who only has immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. And while Hebrews 12, 29 says that our God is a consuming fire, Isaiah gave promise re regarding this God saying, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. His glory has several names, my friends, Elohim, Yahweh, Jehovah, the YHWH, Lord, God, Jesus, Yeshua, mighty counselor on and on just like him. You know, the whole purpose of this ministry is to share this Jesus with any and all who will hear and uh, to introduce any and all to the intimate relationship available to them through him alone. Our ministry is not against people, their flesh and blood, neither are, do we support any one denomination or church. I speak to Mormonism because that is what I know, but we speak to them and everybody else with the message of the true and living God. Recently, I had the uh, real blessing to meet a couple of young men, Michael and Brody from Colorado. Um, they had personally experienced the power of a real relationship with Jesus Christ after considering joining the Mormon church by dating a couple Mormon girls, which is, happens quite a bit. I want them to come on uh, right now and, and Michael and Brody are gonna tell us about it. And then we're gonna show you what this culminated in yesterday uh, on their visit. This is brother Michael. We got him on the air, oh, there we go. And this is Brody. So uh, why don't you look at th uh, three? And you got to scrunch in, act like you love me. And love uh, you. all right, man. Michael, why don't you tell us uh, uh, what you kind of told me yesterday, and then we'll uh, go and ask Brody. All right. So basically, I was born in a Christian home, you know, went to church, really didn't care too much about it, you know, just did the thing that the parents made you do kind of thing. And uh, came into a relationship with an LDS girl, and I loved her high standards, as mine were. And we dated for 11 months, and just through talking with her and stuff, there are some differences that I saw, and so I started to study them out myself. And that's what I challenge anybody to do, is just study it. And I studied it, and I found what I didn't think I'd find. I really found God. Um, through studying through the differences back and forth, I found who the real Jesus was, and I've been saved, and praise God for it. Awesome. And Brody. Uh, we 
we're both dating LDS girls, and both of the uh, the girls were best friends, and so through the relationship of uh, me dating my girlfriend, uh, logically I would meet Michael at some point, and previously I had known Michael, he used to actually be like my class bully throwing spitwads at me, <laughs> but now we're brothers in Christ, but... Um, through that relationship, we had met, and I was actually had taken 20 to 25 missionary lessons and was considering at some point, because the missionaries really push baptism on you at that point, and I don't know if I ever would have if I continued down that same path, but Michael came along um, through the power of God, I believe, and kind of started showing me things. He showed me a book that had been published not too long ago and just started introducing me to who the real Jesus was, really, and just started showing me these these things. And from that, um, about a year and a half later of researching, we're here and we've done all sorts of stuff through Jesus and I've been saved. We were both just baptized yesterday, me for the first time, Michael for his second time. And why don't we show that right now? My brother Michael, we're standing out here in this beautiful uh, place, and you are publicly committing your life to the Lord. And uh, so, do you, Michael, uh, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? 100%. And you commit your life openly for Him to be the King of your life? 100%. That is an honor. It's uh, a pleasure in His name as a brother in Christ to baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Do you, Brody, uh, accept here in front of everybody, uh, in front of God especially and His angels, uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Wholeheartedly. And you uh, publicly profess Him to be the King of your life? Yes. And as a believer in Him, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Just to hear their responses, I was telling my daughter uh, when I asked them if they uh, accept the Lord as their king, and they're, they're just 100%. And, and then uh, that was Michael, and then Brody said, absolutely. And they're just so committed, and you can just see it as we sit and have learned about them. Well, you know, I did something probably illegal yesterday. I didn't know that Brody was only 17 when I baptized him, and I didn't have his parents' permission, but that doesn't matter to me. But he said it was okay. But he turned 18 today, so... Uh, Happy birthday, Brody. Thanks. Thanks, you guys. Thanks, Sean. Love, you, Love you, too, man. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks Brody. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, you don't burn me. All right, we're going to open up the phone lines, 801-973-TV20, 801-973-8820. And uh, while we go to... Uh, the operators go to your phone calls, and please turn your TV sets down. We'll come back. We're going to pick up Michelle in Bakersfield, California. But in the meantime, we're going to show you a spot for our partners program for, uh, to, to help us stay on the air. Thank you. All right, grab a pencil. Just grab something to write with. Um, we have tried to do this spot several times. I don't even know what time of day it is anymore. I've been sitting here so long. And, but what we are, want to tell you is 
Heart of the Matter has been blessed greatly in trying to reach people with the message of Jesus Christ, especially those who are in the LDS Church. We contend for the faith each and every week for five years. We have hundreds of programs, and by the grace of God, the fruit has been plentiful and we're seen all over the world. But this medium that we've chose, chosen called TV is very expensive, and we need you to help us stay on the air. So there are ways that you can do it, and we want you to partner with us. That's what we're asking you to do. So write this phone number down, 888-868-4686. You can also go online. You can go to www.hotm.tv, or you can write us at Aletheia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. Again, let me give you that information. You can call us at 888-868-4686. You can sign up to be a partner by going online at hotm.tv. Or you can write us at Aletheia Ministries, 4760 Highland Drive, number 515, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84117. The Lord has taken this in spite of the host, in spite of the technical inability for me to get this partner's program down right. But we need you, and if he inclines your heart and you're interested, please contact us and help us keep the program on the air. God bless you. Before we go to Michelle and Herman, uh, I want to read you quickly two related stories. This is one is from Sue. She says that she has a friend who's LDS, and, and she's just insistent that the purpose of a woman is to have zillions and billions of babies, spirit babies, uh, later on in life. And she says no matter what she says... She just puts the blinders on and she just will not hear. She says she closes her eyes. And then from Chase, he says that since his father passed away, uh, his entire family is obstructed by the LDS and he's tried and tried to reach them. And but to nothing, all he gets is denial and roadblocks. And so this is a common email that we get from people. And, I, and they say, what do you suggest? And, you know, our job is really just to share the truth. Uh, even as convincing and tricky as we can be and all, our, all the different stuff, really it's just to share what the truth is and we let God, Holy Spirit, come in and do the convincing. Remember Jesus said, pray that their eyes would open, their ears would open, so that he could come in and their hearts could be converted and they could be healed. And so the prayer really is, in my opinion, pray that their eyes and ears will open, that they will go and do like Michael and Brody did and they'll start searching you know, and they'll start looking and try to find out what is it I really do believe and test it. And then the word will come in. So you share Jesus, you share what he's done for you, and uh, then you just pray and you use love and patience, and hopefully that will work out for you with God's help. Let's go to Michelle in Bakersfield, California. Michelle's a first-time caller. Michelle, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Um, before I ask you my two questions that I have, I know you only have so much time, um, I just want to tell you that uh, you're doing an awesome job, and um, I, having LDS in my family, I just appreciate uh, what you're doing. Thank you. So, <laughs> just want to tell you that. Um, I've got um, a couple of questions. Uh, first off, my um, I've got two female cousins who married into the Mormon religion. They're sort of, uh, didn't really have a belief system to start off with, and um, so uh, I just got an email recently from one of my cousins who is really excited and happy to announce that her family is getting sealed in the temple. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess that's what the term would be, um, but she said that she, uh, she and her family are getting sealed, and um, the, have, 
the two questions I have about that and the Mormon family in general are, for one, um, as far as the ceiling goes, I have a little bit of a dilemma. On one hand, I feel that it's so, you know, contrary to, you know, what I believe as a Christian and um, <clears throat> the fact that it's just, you know, almost, in, you know, in one sense condoning um, that practice. And on the other hand, I want to leave um, the floor open to be able to witness to them effectively. So that's my first question. And the um, second one... Let me answer that one first. Oh, okay, go ahead. Or I'll forget it. And then the audience has to remind me, and they lie. No problem. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, the first one is, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, the great theologian, who said, I think it was him, if, if Christians don't go out into the world and share with non-believers, then, then how will they ever hear? So my philosophy is go to everything that you're invited to that's LDS, support everything, uh -huh. and share when it's appropriate with people at tables or when they ask you who you are, to share okay. what Jesus means to you and use it as opportunities to plant seeds. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, thank you. And the other question I have is, um, I, my husband and I watch probably, <laughs> we can go through three of your shows in a night on this, you know, the online streaming oh. <laughs> videos. So uh, we just watched one, the interview with Sandra Tanner, was, you know, uh, probably back in 06 or something. Uh -huh. And in your opinion, as, you know, it seems to me that um, sometimes as, you know, as a previous, you know, LDS believer, um, the witnessing approach could be possibly a little different than, um, you know, someone who's Christian like myself. So as a Christian, um, you know, after watching your show, I thought, well, there might be other effective ways to, you know, witness to them. And I was thinking with the Sandra, Sandra Tanner approach with, you know, kind of minimizing the credibility of the um, of their prophet, Joseph Smith, you know, would that be better as opposed to, um, you know, like a Christian apologetic <laughs> right. approach, I guess you could call it. Um, you know, what would be, as a, you know, coming from a Christian who doesn't have an LDS background, yeah. what would be a more, you know, a better approach? I know you've been asked this question before, but yeah. being in the situation I'm in, I'm just... You know, uh, Michelle, it's, it's like uh, the ocean is filled with a thousand different species of fish and each one <laughs> each one will take a different technique to hook and yes, so uh, exactly. Sandra has been very successful in bringing many many people out of Mormonism and to the Lord so okay. that's one way I would you know just kind of go be armed be prepared and see where the Lord uh, where the Lord leads different types uh, different fish different nets different hooks yeah that makes sense thanks so much for calling Michelle all right, thank you. God bless. Bye-bye. we got a bunch of girls who are curious. How are the boys' relationship with the girls going? Uh, I'm single. Michael is single, ladies out there. He's single. He's handsome. He's strong as an ox, single and, and beautiful. And now, Brody, the heat is on. I'm still taken. Sorry. He's still taken. And same girl. So Brody's still uh, involved with the LDS girl. So everybody pray for Brody and that girl uh, that she will come to know the truth and pray for Michael and the girls out there who are going to try to hook him with their nets and baits and hooks. And, and I'm just kidding. All right. Let's go to uh, Herman. Herman in Provo. Herman, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hello. Hello, Herman. You're on the air. Yes, Herman. Uh-huh. You're on the air, Herman. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. 
It, that, you're on the air. What's, what do I say? What's your question, Herman? Hello. What, what's your question, Herman? Uh, well, John, I just wanted to ask you a question. Okay. Uh, you know an egg, the trinity on the egg? Yeah, I know that one. Okay. There's a, the, the egg is a shell. Yeah. And the uh, oak and the white. Yeah. That's your trinity. Well, the problem I have with that, Herman, is if I, I know it's very, and I know they teach that to children and stuff, but the problem is, is that the yolk is, is, is a lot of cholesterol, and the, and, the, and the white is just pure protein, and the shell is a toss away. And so yeah. when you kind of st stretch that out, God is indivisible. The, the, egg, yolk, the egg is divisible. So I believe on that. Yeah, and so it makes, a, it makes a difficulty when you start, when we try to start using our human terms to explain the oneness, because so philosophers just destroy you when you try to do that. Okay, so we can use that then, huh? Yeah, I wouldn't use it. I would use, uh, I like the flame a little bit better, because at least it's all burning the same substance, it's the same heat, okay. it, 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 all that. Maybe that will help you a little bit more. You know, John, you're doing such a great job. Thanks, Herman. And I appreciate for whatever you do. I don't believe in the Mormonism because I was an LDS missionary many years ago in 1960. Wow. And I went around, around the country. Well, that's great, Herman. I really appreciate, we really appreciate you watching, my friend. I've been watching you for quite a while. Well, God bless you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, we have Linda in Logan, Utah, first-time caller. Uh, Linda, you're on the air. Thank you. Sean, I yes. had a question about a statement you made that uh, we were not spirits with Christ in heaven. Would you elaborate on that, please? Well, like what Jesus said when he was talking to the Pharisees who were uh, so religious and so actually in line with the law in most ways, uh, he said, you're from beneath. He said, I'm from above. He constantly referred them to children of this world. And there's only one who is preexistent, Linda, and that is Christ. And he came down from his throne and took on a body. And so the, what many people don't understand is what is the origin of the human race then? Especially Latter-day Saints who have always believed in this preexistent state, which is purely Greek in its origin. Well, the Christian view is this omnipotent God existing from eternity to eternity gathered the dust together and he formed a body. And then he breathed his spirit into that body and that spirit made that clay body a living soul. And, and that spirit from that point forward, then he took Eve from that body that was spirit and soul and he made woman. And then we have those two. And that is propagated out through the rest of all of us by virtue of God's first creative act on the first man. Does that help you understand? Well, I'm still curious about the spirits within us. So we have them now, and when we leave this sphere, do we give up our spirits, or what are you saying? It's really good. It's a great question. It's very uh, complexing to a lot of people, all right? Remember, the body of Adam, the spirit of God breathed. It's the pneuma. 
and he breathed into that clay body, which was inert. It was dirt formed. But that was only one body, Sean. Okay. How about our body? Where do our spirits come from, and how do they leave? Where do they go? Okay, let me, let me continue to go on. And so when God breathed into that clay, it became alive. That spirit of God became alive, and he became a living soul. We have three different words for the creation of men and women. We have spirit, the pneuma. We have the suke, the soul. And we have the karna, the body. And they're three in one, okay? And now, are so, you using Greek terms or Hebrew terms? I, uh, the, the, the pneuma is a, uh, a Greek term, and so is the uh, suke. Okay. Okay? So what God's spirit did breathed into that dirt took that dirt and it created mind, will, and emotion. That's what the soul is of us. And that's how we all live on this earth since the fall. We're born in bodies and we live by mind, will, and emotion. And we don't have a spirit of God within us. We have a spirit in the sense, but it's the soul. It's not a spirit. It's the soul, the soul of man. Jesus said to Nicodemus, that soul must be born again. And that spirit of God then moves in. Two, and it helps work then with the soul to make it in uh, God's image and, and help that soul conform to God's will. When you die, when anyone dies, that soul goes up and it has either been under the influence of the God's Holy Spirit and God sees that, that soul, that mind, will, and emotion of the individual covered in the blood of Jesus or that soul, mind, and will, and emotion, God sees it as not covered. Those covered in the blood go to heaven. Those not covered in the blood go to hell. And that's how it works. So what happens is we confuse the term spirit and soul all the time because they're so close and they, and they are at times interchangeable. But bottom line, the spirit of God breathed into that clay form, gave that clay form a life of body, of mind, will, and emotion. Does that help at all? Uh, it only opens like a, a channel. It doesn't really help much. Good. Let that channel, you continue to st ready, study the word. You don't believe me. You keep studying and you see how you'll start to see through scripture how this is manifested. Uh, all right. Now, the next question is, is it possible for reincarnation with this system that you're talking about, the soul and the spirit? Is uh, that a possibility? I, 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 uh, we have scripture that says now, uh, I can't quote it, but it just essentially says, we're here on this earth. When we die, we go. That's it. Now is the time. So reincarnation is absolutely thrown out. There was a thing called the transmigration of souls that the Jews believed in for a period of time. And they believed kind of like uh, the guy of uh, Scientology taught, L. Ron Hubbard, that a spirit, when it dies, it has to decide what body it wants to go into. And so it, it's a transmigration of soul and it dies and it says, I got to go into that body and it will jump into the first thing and it is reincarnated. L. L. Ron Hubbard taught that. But the Bible teaches differently that we are created and we are specifically a unique, created, a beautifully and wonderfully made. And you are who you are and I am who I am, Linda. And we are going to return to God, not return. We're going to go to God and we will be judged according to our soul's condition. Is it covered by the blood or not? So reincarnation is absolutely a fabrication of man. Yeah. Interesting. Thank you for taking my call and taking the time to answer my questions. Sean. Keep studying, Linda. God bless. Uh-huh. Good night. Bye-bye. I don't believe she's a believer yet, but we'll see. Annabelle, Annabelle from Bountiful, Utah, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hi, Sean. 
on. I just wanted to share an analogy for Trinity that I was taught with, and I, uh, I don't know if it's 100% correct, but it's the sun. Sun is an energy, but you can't just call it energy. Sun is light. You can't just call it light. And sun is heat, and you can't just call it heat. It's the light, the heat, and the energy that makes up the sun. I like that. And, and so um, in the same way, Trinity is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They have different functions, just like you are. You're a father, but you're also a husband. You're also a son. Are there three Sean's? I hope not. They're just one shot, but has three um, names and three different positions. Yeah. I really like I really like that uh, the sun one because it falls in line with scripture, uh, which denotes God as a fire and Jesus uh, showing that light within him and that light of Jesus, the light of the world, uh, God, the, the fire. And then the other one was what light, heat and what? Energy. Energy, and we might uh, uh, associate that with the Holy Spirit, the pneuma that gives all things new life. I mean, I think that's a that's, much better example than the egg. That's true. And for the gentleman who was talking about reincarnation, the Bible says that there is only one judgment for each soul. And if a person comes into the earth more than once and lives two or three different types of lifestyles, let's say one in one life he's saved and in another life he's worshiping Satan, in the day of the judgment, upon which life is she going to be judged upon? Yeah, that's a, that's a good comment on that. So, no on reincarnation. No. All right, we're good with it. Correct. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Annabelle. Bye-bye. Mm -hmm. Listen, just to let you know, as a side note, you know, these cultists, you can come up with some pretty amazing stuff. L. Ron Hubbard said, listen, if you don't get clear of all the crud that you're carrying around in your brain from life on this earth, when you die, your spirit's gonna pop up and jump into the first thing it sees, like a dog or a, someone who's gonna be homeless and legless out in the street forever. But if you're clear of all the junk that you've accumulated in your life, you'll die and you'll sit back and wait. And you'll say, hey, that's gonna be a prince of Egypt. I will jump into that body. And you know how you get clear? You hold onto these two metal posts and you sit there with an auditor and that auditor, after taking your check for 2,500 bucks a week, he says, okay, he asks you all these questions and you become clear and guess what? That turns you into what Tom Cruise is. Jumping up and down on couches. He's free, he's free, he's clear. So when Tom dies, he believes, hey, I'm gonna be so clear, I'm gonna sit back and wait to jump into another perfect body and be a, another Hollywood star. But the Bible says if, if Tom doesn't embrace the true and living God, he's going somewhere else. Yeah, no jumping around there, at least not for joy. All right, <laughs> We're, uh, I hope Tom doesn't either, because I, I think he's kind of cool. Uh, in his acting. All right, let's go to Riley. Uh, no, we're going to Alan in Ogden, first time caller. Alan, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, Sean, how are you? Doing well, Alan, how are you? I'm great, John, I love your show. Um, playing on the theme of, your, of the Trinity, um, I was just calling in to leave you a message that the lady told me to come online and talk to you about it because I have a good analogy. You know, being the God's a consuming fire, a fire has to have three elements to survive and without any of them, you remove one of them, the fire doesn't exist. You need heat, you need light, and you need fuel. And you remove any one of those, and a fire will not exist. You remove the light, there is no fire. You remove the heat, there is no fire. You remove the fuel, there is no fire. But the three together have to work together to make one fire. 
Excellent. In the consuming fire of God. I love these fire analogies. Very good. I love it. Thank you so much, Alan. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Bye-bye. You know why I don't know these analogies? Because I said I, I skipped out on science. And this is what happens, kids. Go to your science classes. I thought fire just burned. I didn't know it needed anything. And you know what? Who was it who said, uh, oh, he was great. He said, a little science will take you away from God. A lot of science will bring you right back. You know, so these guys who have this little bit of science, you know, uh, we understand that the fossil record, and they didn't leave God because of one little fact, but a lot of science just reveals God more and more. Okay, let's go to Riley in Kaysville. He is, uh, I don't know what he, Riley is. We'll find out. Riley, you're on Heart of the Matter. Yeah. Um, hi, Riley. Uh, hi, how are you? How you doing? Good. Hey, I'm a, I'm a believer in Christ, and my family is mostly LDS. Um, my great-great-grandfather is Joseph Fielding Smith, and I got to thinking real hard about recently my grandmother died, and I'm thinking, is she re I'm having a hard time wrapping my mind around the whole fact that Mormons their belief or sending them to the lake of fire. I can't wrap my mind that my grandmother and my family is all going to the lake of fire because they yeah. believe in the LDS faith. You know what, Riley? I just did a, uh, an interview with uh, some guys, and uh, they talked about that. And I want to say this for the record. Uh, you know, we really go after the LDS, and I go after them strong because I believe their doctrine is a big bunch of hooey. But the LDS do believe in Jesus being the Son of God. I know it's a different right. one. They do believe in the cross. They do believe he died on it. They do believe he was resurrected. And most LDS believe he was born of a virgin. They don't go into the McConkieisms about all, the, all that other stuff. So I personally believe that most LDS do have a uh, cognition of the Lord. And I leave that in his hands. So anybody who passes on, I would, I would trust in those to give comfort and let God make the decision. Okay? But Amen. you got to understand the reason we do this and the reason people are out on the street and singing things to their LDS friends is because there are many of them who really have discounted Jesus altogether because of this, this other junk. And, that right. those, those, and so we try to reach them. And the second thing is, um, in terms of the Mormons, I believe that they're going to die and they're going to look back on their life of religiosity and they're going to be so ashamed. And they could have the joy of the Lord with them now, which will lead to great fruits and great works, which will account to them for the eternities in blessings. And I think they're going to die and find themselves in the poverty side of heaven. And they're just going to say, you know, we have nothing to show for our whole lives of good living, you know. So in terms of them being saved, I'm not going to make that decision. And, right. But in terms of their doctrine and what it does to people here on earth and what I believe it will do to them in the future, we got to say something. So what, I mean, real quick, by leading by example the best I can is what I can do for them, because I did those, moved back home, and did every, everything I could go into about their meetings and showing them what I know of Christ, and that He lives in me, and that I know He's in the throne of my heart. Yeah. And they really took upon that. They really, they didn't judge me. They didn't say, you need to be LDS or you're going to go to hell. They got these three different levels of heaven. I'm like, I don't know about all that, but yeah. I just want to be an example and, and help at least my family. Well, good I mean? job, Riley. That was, that's so, great, and we just pray and, and just keep trying, right? Yep, yep. Thanks so much, my friend. I appreciate the help. God, God bless. Bye-bye. We're going to Ranger in Ogden. He's LDS. He's a first-time caller. Ranger, you're on Heart of the Matter. Hey, what's up? Hey, good. you got to turn your TV down. I'll take a minute for that message. Hey, what'd you say? 
You gotta turn your TV down. You're on the air. Excuse me? Ranger, are you stop are you are you yes. you were told this by the operators, Ranger. You gonna turn your TV down or not? I can hear you, yes. Alright, what's your question, my friend? Um, I was wondering uh what kind of uh biblical references there were to the uh to the proof that there is a, an actual um what is it called? A a, a trilogy? Yeah, the the Star Wars trilogy. That's a, no, no, excuse me, not a trilogy. I'm, I, yeah, the Trinity. I'm lost for the phrase here. Yeah, it's a, Trinity. Uh, it's Trinity. You got to turn that TV Trin down, or you're yeah, going to constantly Trinity. be battling me. Uh, there huh? are the problem is, is we have verses that will say the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. These three are one, but we don't have the word Trinity. And in our first show on this, we described where that word came from and why, what its origins were. So that's the best I can do to help you with a, a reference in the Bible that speaks of the trilogy. Okay. Does that help? Um, Anything else? Um, no, I just, I just wanted to say that uh, that's always confused me um, as to how people, uh, because as we know, John the Baptist was baptized by Jesus. But there were references to the uh, the Holy Ghost uh, ascending down, and then the voice of the Lord yeah. coming from the sky. It's because there's saying, three of them. This is my beloved son. Yeah, it's because there's three, Randall and a ranger. Uh huh. And that's that's why it's difficult for the for our minds to understand till you've been reborn. But you will if you keep searching, my friend. I gotta hit it, but thanks for the call. Bye bye. He never turned his TV down. Uh, listen uh, really quickly. This is from New Zealand, from Fred. He says he's really interested in this new religion that says that Jesus was crucified on a stake, a stick, a pole, and not on the cross. He says, Sean, take those off because I'm really starting to learn about this stake. And we know that is probably and all probably from the Jehovah's Witnesses. And what you're doing, Fred, is you're jumping from a New Zealand Mormonism church to a New Zealand Jehovah's Witness church. And that's going from the frying pan to the fire, as far as I'm concerned. So uh, you, what you need to do is go to a good Christian church and that pastor just say, look, it, I'm investigating all this, but I want to know the truth. What about the cross? And I think that he'll open up and he'll explain why we believe it is. And finally, a good friend from Spain, he says he just thought he was going to close his eyes and he's not going to look at the Bible in context. So he opened it up and he pointed to Matthew 27, 5. It says, Judas went out and hanged himself. And then he opened it another place and it said, go thou and do likewise. And he opened it another place and it says, and do it quickly. And so he said, my point, listen to Heart of the Matter and take things in context. Read the Bible, 2020 vision, 20 verses back, 20 verses forward, or even better, 20 chapters back, 20 chapters forward, and you'll really start to understand what everything is. We're grateful for Michael and Brody. We wish them well in their walk in Christ. And everybody who is seeking, God will answer. You can have him as your Lord and Savior. Turn to him with all your might. We'll see you next week here on Heart of the Matter.
gonna break my rusty cage and run I'm gonna break I'm gonna break my I'm gonna break my rusty cage 